Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. A question for you, and it's a serious one, and that is, how many of you are into reality TV? Okay, one, one honest person, right? Anthony and I are like reality TV kind of junkies. Um, we, the Amazing Race, um, there was this Alone in the Woods, Surviving, any kind of survival shows you can watch, Naked and Afraid. Oh! <laughs> um, but there was one reality show that Andy was just, couldn't miss it, couldn't miss it, had to record it, had to binge watch it, and you're not going to believe it, and I'm telling on you tonight, but it was... Married at first sight. Has anybody seen that one? Yeah. <laughs> so married at first sight, and and so I'm like, I mean, Andy was into it a couple shows before I had even seen it, and when I came in one night, he's watching Married at First Sight, where these young single people fill out some kind of form, and somebody else picks a mate for them, and they don't get to meet them until they're standing at the altar to say I did. Okay. And so they know nothing about them until the day, and then it starts with the honeymoon in life as a married person to somebody they don't know. Okay? And you're not two shows in before they're like, I ain't doing this. That's not how, you know, the whole whole war goes on. Well, I'm watching the show with them for the first time, and I mean, 30 minutes in, I'm like, these people are stupid. (laughs) And I'm talking to them on the television, I'm yelling, well, if you weren't so insensitive, she wouldn't be so uh, adverse, you know? And I'm just like, these people are, they're idiots, you know? They're just like, what is happening on, uh, say, maybe in a phrase, I mean, no offense, guys, but you guys are babies. It gets cold. I'm so cold. I'm so cold. <laughs> so I talk to the TV all the time. Girl power. Way to go, girl. So this is my life with reality TV. I really don't like it. <laughs> because I'm constantly yelling half the time. I just walk out of the room. Like, I can't watch I can't watch this show anymore. And so when I found out that we were doing the Book of Kings, for me, it's kind of like reality TV. I read some of these stories outside of, you know, the miracles that Elijah and Elijah do. Um, some incredible things there. Most of it is like, are you kidding me? Who are these people? Why won't they do what is just easy to do? I yell back at the book, like, you know? And so this reality thing, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't, yeah, the book of Kings. <laughs> What's the deal? So I had to sit down and really apply myself to study. And um, what I found out um, when I pulled my Encountering the Old Testament textbook from Bible College some decades ago off the shelf, and I opened it up to the Kings, what I read there was this statement from Bill Arnold. The author evaluates each king based on Excuse me, the monarch's loyalty to God, to the God of Israel, is worshipped in Jerusalem. He wrote a history of Israel's monarch to illustrate the two paths in life that we must choose. The one pursues God in heart and religious forms for obedience and so pleases him, and the other fails to obey God because of lack of devotion or lack of heart and is ultimately self destructive. 
And one word caught my, my attention from that textbook, and it was this word, heart. This word, heart. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit kind of settled something in my, my spirit that said, my entire book is a love story, including the reality show of the first and second kings. It was like, wow. And so the book of kings, the books of kings are not a history of political or social exploits, nor of civil accomplishments of infrastructures and government, or even military strategies for war and peace. The author's primary concern is with each king's faithfulness to the covenant God made with David and his willingness to walk in his ways. It's a historical book about how they followed or didn't after God. First Kings 2, 1 through 4, and I think those my first slides maybe. I'm not really sure what order I'm in. I left Andrew with no instructions. Okay. Now the days of David drew... Um, yeah, so it's all about the heart. That's my first point. I'll put that on there. It's all about the heart. Um, and 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, and I'm not sure I have a slide for that, but I'm going to read this. Now, the days of David drew um, nigh that he should be he he should die, and, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, that the Lord may continue his word, which he spoke to me, David is saying, if your children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. First point is, it's all about heart. Amen. So in First and Second Kings, we're reading about the death of David and the institution of the king. So the first king's following him. And Solomon comes along after him, and David's charging him as God charged him, David. Follow after him with all your heart. Now you may be surprised, as I was, to find out that there are at least 24, and maybe some more, references to the heart condition of the kings falling into 14 categories. There is uh, the gladness of the king's heart, the half-heartedness of the king's heart, the integrity of his heart, the largeness of his heart, the dreams of his heart, with David and wanting to build a temple, the plagues of the heart, a perfect heart, a tender heart, a troubled heart, the turning of a heart, and the returning of a heart, wow. wickedness hidden in the heart, and the wise and understanding heart. First and second kings are all about the heart. The heart is our inner man, including the mind, the will, and the, and the emotions. It's the seat of our affections and our appetites and our determinations, our understanding. It's even the place we hold courage, the heart. And 
God says, follow me with all of you. These books are a two-value love story at its core, pinning the pursuit of a jealous God for the nation he loves. After all, as the king's heart goes, so does the nation. And we heard that from the 10 plus teachers that came before me about the struggles the nation had when the king did not follow right. God with all his heart. The book of 1 Kings starts well with the anointing of Solomon, the dedication of the temple and the peace for the nation of Israel during his reign due to the godly devotion he did model to the nation. So the anointing of Solomon, the scripture says, if your children at his anointing, if your children take heed to their way to walk before me through, through it all with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail you, as we read and heard, a man on the throne of Israel, 1 Kings 2.4. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon prayed, Lord of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keeps covenant and mercy with your servants that walk before you with all their heart. 1 Kings 8, 22. Yet Solomon's heart was turned. His political alliances introduced mm -hmm. idol worship and his compromise had a devastating effect on the nation. With his successor, the nation would then split. We learned and were taught about Israel and Judah and some of the consequences they faced because they didn't follow after God's heart. In uh, let's see where I'm at. In uh, I'll take this one. In First Kings 11:4, it says, "For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart." to follow after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. That's 1 Kings 11, 4. Mm. And it'll be quite a few years before we'll read the really the returning of the kings to the heart of God. What's the next slide? There you go. You can't see it very well, but there we have all the kings, the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, and I can tell you what this is showing, that if it's in bold, they were maybe decent. Everybody right. else was pretty evil. And usually evil on top of the other. That's right. Right, doubling the, the just a grievous sin. Um, and so Israel had no good kings, none. Can you imagine for 350 plus years, there's not one good leader, not one. And it's not that they're not just good, they're bad, like really bad. Okay, and then on Judah's side, we have a few. Asa, Jehoshaphat, they, they have some, some periods of, of right thinking and wholehearted following after God, but they're wishy-washy. You know, it's not until we get to Josiah that we learn from Pastor Judy that we have a king who from the beginning to the end of his reign ruled. And the scripture says this in 2 Kings 23-25. And like him, Josiah... There was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, neither after him arose any like him. Wow. And I read this, I study this, and I look at that list. If you go back to that list, I think, man, <coughs> they had the voice of God, like the voice, right? They're hearing it from the 
the prophets themselves, they've got their main man right beside them, giving them the word of God. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you people? You know? Are you crazy? And the answer is, yeah, they are. They were crazy. And then I step back and I think, as I read this, I'm like, hey, Chris, what is wrong with you sometimes? I've got the word of God in black and white, easy to read. If I need a, 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 a easy to read version, I can just write online. And yet, sometimes, for whatever the reason, I choose to go my own way, to do it the hard way. And the thing about it is, is this covenant that God made with David is an if-then kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and many, many times we see God as the great supplier, and he is. The great giver of things, and he is. Yes. The great make my life wonderful kind of God, and he is. But that's not his only son. Well. He is 3D kind of God, okay? And the book of Kings gives us that picture of this 3D God. This God who loves and this God who judges. And I have a hard time reading the parts of these two books that are about judgment. I just do. And when we only read those pieces, many times we'll think, man, this God is actually not <coughs> very kind or very generous. Except there's this flip side. There's this side of God, the, the initial, if you will, mm -hmm. of, if you will, then I'm going to. And the arms fly open and the blessings flow. And so we're in the situation where we're, we're in a book that is kind of, for me anyway, sometimes difficult to consume. I like the miracle stories, so I pick them out. You know, I like them when they win a war, so I pick that one out. Then I can put it in my life and go, if I, if I, you know, do this or do that. But we're, we're moving through 359 years with some pretty bad time. Right. Pretty bad seasons. And it's all because, if you notice, we're reading through the Kings, it's not because the political strategy was off. Or the infrastructure and government wasn't up to par. Actually, if we read other chronicles, many of these kings, good and bad, did some pretty great things in those arenas, right? It's true. It's not that they didn't have strategies or military or anything. Could. They were very capable in those areas. It came down to the condition of their heart. That's it. Toward God. First and second kings is about the heart. So the second point that I have tonight is how does God prove this in the midst of such challenging times, judgmental seasons, even in the nation. Well, the scripture says that God settled his own heart in the middle of them, right in the middle of the nation. If you read 1 Kings 9, chapter 3, God himself says, I have hallowed this house. It's at the dedication of the temple. And Solomon has prayed a prayer that says, we're going to do what you say do. We're going to follow hard after you. And so God responds to the prayer with this. I have hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. It's a two-way love story. In other words, he came 
and live with them. He made the first step. He pursued Israel. And he gave them every uh, opportunity, every indication, every instruction to make this relationship something cool, something great, something magnificent. In order to set them apart, that yep. the rest of those around them, and we've learned this through our teachers, we know and see that he is the one true God. Yes. He did this. He did not say, when you get it all together, when you romance me, when you've done this, that's not how we work. He, he called me for a date kind of thing, right? Wow. He looked the nation of Israel up and said, I want, I want to make this covenant with you. That's right. I'm going to be the one that keeps it. And not just for himself, but we're going to find in the end, he keeps it for us. Yes, yes. He keeps it for us. That's right. So God settles himself in the middle of the nation when he inhabits the temple there. So that's his first sign of love. That's his first gesture. I'm going to move in. The second thing he does is God's uh, heart about our heart is throughout all of prophecy. All right? So God's heart about our heart is in all of prophecy. And what I've done here is I've pulled out a few, just a few. But if you read Amos 9.14, Amos says, I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord that God. That's had teams with Jeremiah, who says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah for their good. For I will set my eyes upon them to go and bring them again to the land that I am out of order here, uh, uh, Andrew, and build them up and not pull them down and plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them a heart to know me. There it is. That I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Jeremiah 24-7. Ezekiel will go on to, to prophesy uh, on God's behalf, and I will give them a new heart, a new spirit, and I will put within them, will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them, or excuse me, uh, from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. He'll take my heart of stone. He's going to do that and give us Amen. a heart of flesh. So Israel and Judah... For the most part, except for a few sparse times, have totally abandoned their hearts to idol worship, self-worship, self-seeking, and abandoned God in his ways. And the prophecies come during this time. Now, don't get me wrong. There are lots of prophecies on judgment. The balance of God's character is seen in the book of Kings. But it's there. We've heard it this week. And I wanted us to see that the whole of what God is about in the book of, books of Kings is he's after your heart. Amen. Yes. He's after Amen. your heart and your heart, every heart on this front row. He's after my heart. And the thing about our God is he is a gentleman. He's going to let you choose. And so he lets them choose. And when they do... 
they get the actions of his words, good and bad, positive or negative, however it is. So here we've got this nation who is afar off from God. We're praying for Josiah, who was prophesied early on in first. And at the end of 2 Kings, Josiah leads with his whole heart, and the nation has a model. And yet, because of their followings after idols and stuff, both nations will still be exiled into captivity. God will be faithful to his word. In other words, we can't... Uh, how do we... One right doesn't cross out a wrong. Do you understand know what, what I'm saying? One right doesn't make, you know, one wrong doesn't make a right. One right doesn't cross out a wrong. It just doesn't. That's not how the scales work. God said there'll be blessing when we, when we follow after, and there'll be cursing when we don't. That was his words. And so it carries out. But scripture comes back to us in the New Testament, in Matthew when Jesus himself will say, when asked what is the greatest commandment, that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. All the commandments rest on these two. Christ is our Savior. Christ made the way for us to have a heart relationship with God. There's no more performance or meeting the criteria of the law. We couldn't do it. That's what the law showed us. But here in Second King, first and second Kings, we're finding that the nation <coughs> wiggled around. I like the start here and end here with that that straight line journey, mm -hmm. you know, not to the right, not to the left. <coughs> I want that. Mine looks like this, all the way <laughs> around, you know. We're, we're, I'm right on some seasons, and some seasons I'm just trying to figure it out. And how did I get off track? How did that work? But when we do, and this is what I learned in Kings, is I am very much like this nation of Israel. Very much like these kings who start off well, and my heart has good intention. I want to. Wow. And especially if I get into a good worship service. Especially if the word is anointed and it's coming at me, I'm signing up for it. You know, I'm like uh, Solomon standing on the pill at the pillar. The scripture says, and making this commitment to God that we're going to, as a nation, follow Him with all of our heart, only to find out sometimes we don't end well, and we we need to end well. We need to get to the end of it with a whole heart following after God. So I'm finding out that I'm like this, and, and some of those seasons came back to my memory when I felt far away from God, when I felt like I missed a mark or I, or I made a choice that was my own, that was contrary to the way he wanted me to go. And, and I had to do something about that. I was faced with that, and I had to do something about that. And the scripture says this. There's only one thing to do. And that's to return. 
Joel 2, 12, 13 says, Therefore also now says the Lord, Turn even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and wring your heart and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and he repents from evil. You know, the Lord said in a few of these stories that he was going to do something, and when we responded, when that nation responded and turned their heart, he withheld. He changed his mind. We can change God's mind simply by returning, by following with all of our heart. So, this is what I needed to know tonight. I needed to know that First and Second Kings is all about the heart, my heart. I need to, to know that God made the first move. The scripture says that he comes into my heart when I accept him. He moved in, just like he moved in with the nation of Israel. God came into my heart. He lives here now. And the scripture says forever. Forever. It's not a, he's not a wishy-washy kind of guy. And then I needed to know that God's heart about my heart has been prophesied. He knew the way that I would go. He knew the way that Israel would go. He already knew. And so he made provision. And that provision is a returning. It's as simple as repentance. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as saying, I'm sorry. I missed the mark. I chose my own way. I didn't quite understand. That happens sometimes. <clears throat> and repenting. And allowing the Holy Spirit then to take my heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. Beating again all of my heart after him. And you know when we do that, the scripture says that he then moves that, that sin that separated, that turned me away. He moves it as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it. And I don't have to worry about him going, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do that. Amen. He doesn't do that. And so I learned also in this study that the thing I need to do, the one thing I need to do is return. I need to return. And you know the thing about it is, and it doesn't have to be in these days about gross sin. The one thing I did that, whoa, I don't want anybody to know. Sometimes it's not an action. Sometimes it's not something you do or don't do that you know you should do or shouldn't do. The scripture says that that we the Lord may continue his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your children take heed to their way. Wow. Not their actions. Not what you do. My way. What does that mean? What does that mean? My way. Wow. It is the way I think about God. It's it's the things that I justify here or there, settle over here, fluff off over there. And it's my way in several things. It's, it's how, I, how I think, how I behave, how I meditate in my heart, my way. There are sometimes some things about my way that aren't right. Doesn't mean I'm committing gross sins. It 
things. There's something about my attitude, my heart, that may just be fall away, may have just turned aside. The justification, that's the thing. When I find myself justifying, I get a clue that I'm a little bit over here now. When I think, oh, it's not that big a deal. And the closer we walk with him, the more the little deals come to us. That's true. Because he taps us. The closer we get, I, I get that picture of the disciples walking on any road with Jesus. They walk in a lot of places, and some of them walk, I mean, next to him. I would want to walk next to him, especially if he's talking. I wouldn't have wanted to miss a word. And then I think about what it would be like in my life that if I just decided to almost hang back three or four steps. Wow. Not quite an earshot anymore. Not all doing anything wrong. I'm just not quite an earshot anymore. Or what if I think, you know, this time I'll just bring up the rear. Mm. You know? And that, that is giving up space in my heart. Yes. Yes. It gives up space in my heart. Wow. It divides me. It pieces me out. So there's one thing to do. And I know that I'm not the only one in the room who would take some time to time or maybe doesn't even anymore take an inventory. Where am I with God? How much of my heart is following after him? Hmm. And how much of it is actually enjoying it? Or am I just doing it because the Lord said you got to obey God or else? That's not his character. Right. He's calling us to obey him so he can bless us, give to us. So we're returning. And so tonight, as we close, and this is not anything necessarily theologically deep or historically uh, astounding, I think it's just an opportunity for us to understand that God still calls us to follow him with all of our heart. And today, more than ever, it seems like that's hard. It seems hard. And for church people, you know, us goody two-shoes, if you will. Most of what we deal with is internal. Our judgments, our criticisms, our unforgiveness, our resentments. And we smile our way through church services and potluck dinners all the time, struggling with judgment and criticism and unforgiveness and resentment and rejection issues and abandonment and all these things that are crowding out my heart so I can't follow what So I wanted to give us the five minutes that we have left to hear a song. And in scripture, when repentance was, was, um, was brought, there was an altar. They came to the altar. They tore their clothes, they wept, they mourned, they fasted. And tonight, I 
want us to make an altar of our heart. And for five minutes, to just, if you need to space out, that's fine. I want to play the song, and I want the song to wash over you. And allow the Holy Spirit, it's not a condemnation thing, but if there's a place, any place, even if it's this big, that we're holding on to, because if, if I let it go, I may not know what the outcome will be. I can tell you that any part of our heart we turn over, he receives. He holds he honors, he protects, he fills. And so let's just take tonight five minutes to hear the Lord speak to us.
Father, we're so grateful for your word, for this love story that you have penned so beautifully for us. I thank you that First and Second Kings is all about the heart. It's all about mind. And I'm asking God that you would continue to uh, breathe this word in us and through us and seep it into the depth of our hearts. That we would make our walk with you all about our hearts. Yes. Father, I thank you that you've made it as clear and really quite simple as returning when we veer off, when we're distracted, when we even um, intentionally choose our own way. That when we come to our senses, the word of God says, return. Turn around and come back. I'm grateful for your love. I pray a blessing on your people tonight, God. Keep us. Thank you. And for the prayers we pray tonight, Father, let this week bring miracle stories, amazing things. Because you love your kids. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.